We're going to go ahead and jump on into our, our, our series, our message. We're in week two of, of, our, of our series entitled The Reformer. And uh, I really enjoyed week one. And I'm excited about what God's laid on my heart to share with you in, in week two. And so let's go ahead and, and pray. And then we'll go ahead and jump in. So Father, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. Even though that we're not physically here, to be able to be together online is special. And we appreciate that. And God, I pray that that you would just use the words that you've placed in my mouth to communicate the truths that you want us to understand and know and apply to our lives. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and learn about you and experience you, uh, even though we're physically apart. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's do a little bit of a recap. Last week, we, we talked about basically a grandfather, a father, and a son. And we talked about um, their lives and some of the things that they did. King Manasseh was that uh, grandfather, and, and, and he did some terrible, evil things um, and really took all the nation of Israel towards a direction of just some really, really despicable things that uh, the Bible talks about, even to the point where uh, the Bible tells us that he offers his own son as a sacrifice and, and burns his own son as a sacrifice to the idols that uh, he led the people of Israel into worshiping. And, and next we talked about Amon and, and his that being the father, and, and he continued to do some of the horrible things that his, his father had led him in. And, and it was so bad that, that eventually, about two years into his reign, um, he's assassinated. He's taken out by some officials. And so, you know, once again, he, he has that, uh, that, that, that pull, that, that, that pulling people away from God. And, and, and at eight years of age, King Josiah becomes king. And, and King Josiah begins to bring for some reforms, and he is the reformer that, that the title talks about, and, and he began to, instead of following in the footsteps or in the ways of his grandfather and his father, scripture tells us that he, he walked in the footsteps of his father, King David. Now, obviously, King David was not his father, but it says basically, or it's communicating is that he had a heart like King David. He sought God and, and began to turn things around. And like I said, he, he became king at eight years old and he, and, and he began to do some things through this, these changes and these reforms that he brought that by the time he's 26, uh, the nation has really been changed and they, they have a, a Passover like they haven't seen since basically the time when, when Samuel was a prophet. And so he really begins to do some great things. And last week we kind of talked about what the goal of the series is and kind of what all this series is about and as we kind of finish this recap I want to remind us of what it is and, and here it is it'll be up on the screen for you it says if we will learn to lead ourselves lead our families and lead our church after the life and leadership of King Josiah I believe that we will see a renewing and a reviving of our children youth marriages family church and community and, and really what this whole series is about is, is us taking the lessons from this reformer and taking his reforms and applying them to our lives, our marriages, our families, our communities, our church, all these things, because I believe that God desires to do a renewing and a reviving. I believe that we are kind of at the edge as, as a culture and as a community and as a country where, where we have this choice where if we will follow God, if we'll look to him, that he can really bring some amazing things. But at the same time, we have to choose 
Josiah chose not to walk in the ways of his father and his grandfather. He chose to walk in the ways of King David, a man after God's own heart. And we have to make those choices as well. But as we kind of jump into week two of this series, we're going to begin to look at some things that he did, some, some, some of the reforms that he brought about to really see the things and the life and the leadership that he, we can learn from as individuals to help us to help bring about that renewing and reviving that I believe that God wants to do. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the first point here, the first idea, the first really thing that he begins to do. And, it's, and he basically it's this. He begins to purge the land from, uh, from the, the idols from the land. He begins to purge the idols from the land. Let's go ahead and jump into our scripture this morning. We are going to be in this series really in 2 Chronicles 34. And so we're going to be in 2 Chronicles 34a this morning. And this is what it says. In the eighth year of his reign, while he, being King Josiah, was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. So again, he becomes king at eight. When he's about 16 years old, he begins to seek God. He begins to look after God. He begins to, to learn about who God is and what God begins to do and all these sort of things. And he begins this process. And here's what's interesting, and we're going to see this in just a minute in our next verse. But basically, he begins to do that. So, so let's say he, he turns 16, and then he's 16 plus uh, one and he's seeking God. He's sixteen plus two, and he's 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 seeking God. He's learning about God. He's experiencing God. All these sort of things. So so basically, a year passes. Three hundred and sixty-five days pass, and then and then he continues to seek, and he continues to seek, and this just goes on for several several hundreds and hundreds of days till finally we get to Second Chronicles thirty-four three b. It's kind of funny because it's one scripture, it's one verse, but when we break it down, we really see that there's a lot of time that actually takes place between 34a or 30 or 3a and 3b. And that basically is a way that we use to kind of break the verse up so we know the section. So now let's continue looking at 2 Chronicles 34, 3b. It says, in his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, and idols. So, so once again, in this one verse, we see him at the very beginning being 16 years old and beginning to seek God and, and go after God and really seek after his, his ways and his, his desire for his life. And four years later, he begins to purge. He begins to remove these idols that, that really his grandfather and father had set up to have the nation worship. And, and here's the thing. As we look at 2 Chronicles 34, 3b, we see a word that we don't always use so much in our culture today, and it's the word purge. And purge is an important word in, in kind of what he begins to do because we see some other kings who, who sometimes don't go as far as the purging that we see King Josiah do and, and, and enact in his reform. So let's do this. Let's define this word. Let's figure out what this word means. And this is what it is. The definition of the word purge is this. It's to remove, to devastate, or sweep away, to cleanse, or purify. So, so this word is, is it's not just and we're going to see this in a moment, it, it's a really strong word. It's, it's kind of not just pushing them off to the side, and, and it's, it's removing, it's destroying, it's, it's absolutely wiping them away. 
sweeping them away. And that's what King Josiah begins to do when he begins to purge the land of these idols. So now let's, let's go back to our scripture and let's kind of see here because he goes all out. He really, really goes all out. So let's look at 2 Chronicles 34. We're going to start with verse number 4. And this is what it says. It says, And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and he cut down the incense altar that stood above them, and he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and the metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priest on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in, and in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon and as far as Nepholi, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now, 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 here's the thing. I mean, you begin to understand here what, what he has done, okay? He, he has not only gone out and begin to cut things down. It's like he goes out and he goes, okay, um, we need to purge the land. So he goes to these images and these, these, these poles and things like that, and he cuts them down and he goes, you know what? That's not enough. I mean, I mean that's, this is a good start, but that's not enough. So then he says, you know, let's, let's grind them up. And so he, they grind them up into powder. Basically, they ground them up all the way into powder and, and it's all smashed. And now it's like this powdery mist of all these altars and all these, these idols and things like that. And he goes, you know, it's not enough. He goes, listen, um, where, where are the bones of the priests? that used to sacrifice and it's like they dug those guys up and then they burned those bones and then they took the the, the the smashed up idols and they sprinkled them over the graves and over the burnt up bones of the priests i mean this guy went all out i mean this is a purging this is not a hey let's let's kind of take all this stuff and kind of put it away and 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 not look at it anymore it's a purging you know i don't know about you but as we kind of it doesn't feel like spring um right now but uh, as we're getting into spring you know people begin to do spring cleaning and all these sort of things and some of us do a spring purging and some of us do a spring cleaning and they're not the same you know, sometimes a cleaning is just taking what you have and cleaning it up. A purging is actually removing those things. And, and King Josiah understood the difference. And he understood, listen, to really bring forth the renewing and the reviving that God wants to do, we have to be willing to purge these idols from our lives, get rid of these things, and remove them, and literally grind them up into dust so they can no longer affect us in the way that they did. Now, before we jump through this, I, I want to kind of take some time here. I want to look at some, ex, uh, examine a few things of this story, okay? Because as we look at verses 4 through 7, there's some important things that I think that we can kind of learn from it and see from it before we move on that will help us as we attempt to purge the idols from our life. But the first one is this. King Josiah didn't delegate this. Okay, he didn't, I mean, he's the king, he can do whatever he wants, but he goes personally 
and does these things. I, I, I don't know about you, but I can just almost see him. You know, he's got his robes on. He's pulling up his, his sleeves and he's grabbing an axe or he's grabbing something and he's smashing stuff and he's grinding them up. You know, I can just see him kind of, he's got this bunch of powder that he's basically, okay, where, where are the graves? You know, where are they at? And he just begins to sprinkle them down, you know, and all these sort of things. He doesn't ask someone else to do it. He doesn't send the army to do it. He goes himself. It's that important. He leaves Jerusalem and he goes to make sure this is done and done right and done completely. So he doesn't delegate this. Number two, this was a process, okay? And, and, and I'm not just talking about the process of, of smashing and grinding and burning and scattering. I'm talking about the fact that he doesn't just, he does this throughout the land. I, the Bible doesn't say how long this took. Um, I, I, can, I bet you it probably took months, maybe, maybe up to a year. I mean, there's a lot of little towns, and he went through every single one of them and destroyed these things. So this took time. This was a process. This wasn't just a snap-your-finger kind of thing, and it was done, and then he went back. Again, we don't, the Scripture doesn't tell us how long this took, but I, I guarantee you it took some time. It took some time, and, and sometimes we need to understand that in our processes, as we're beginning to do this, th th these are going to take some time, and we're going to see why a little bit more in a moment. Number three, and the final thing, he didn't go home till the job was done. I, I love how verse seven ends. I mean, you know, you get this, this whole thing, that he does this, and then he does this, and he's smashing stuff up, and he's scattering and all this sort of stuff, and then he's like, and then he went home. You know, it's like the, the movie voice that you hear on the, on, the, on the previews, you know. You know, there was a time, you know. Then he went home. And so he didn't finish. He didn't go home until it was done. He waited and made sure it was done and done right and done completely. And then, and only then, did he go home. So listen, what does this story mean for you and me? Because... As we look at these things, look, I know as we talk about idols in our lives, sometimes it can be a little bit uh, hard to see and hard to understand because we tend to have an idol um, misunderstanding, okay? And, and so really what begins to happen is we're going to kind of see here, I want to kind of lay out why this is so important for us today and why it's so important for us to understand but first we need to kind of look at the the way that unfortunately sometimes we do think of this that is kind of not correct that can kind of make us miss really some of the things that we need to deal with and we're going to start in Acts 17. In Acts 17 Paul is on his missionary journeys and and he's going to the town of Athens and in, in Acts 17 16 this is what it says it says while Paul was waiting for them in Athens he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Now, Athens, of course, is, is the capital of Greece, and, and there's just idols everywhere. There's idols to this and idols to that. There's, there's an idol of power, an idol of fertility, and an idol of, 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 good, of rain and weather. And I mean, there's just idols everywhere. And as he goes into Athens, he's just seeing them everywhere. Now, these are, these are statues. These are, these are you know, types of things that you could kind of buy and take home and, and, and put in your house and worship there and all these sort of things. But he, he comes in and he sees all these things, and he's deeply deeply troubled about it. Now, let's jump on to Acts 17, 22 and 23. This is what it says. So Paul, standing before the council 
addressed them as follows. This is the council here in Athens. This is what he says. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines or your many altars. And one of your altars had an inscription on it to an unknown God. Basically at this point, and I'm not going to get into it because it really doesn't go along with what we're sharing this morning, but Paul has an opportunity to speak in, in, in this place where there's, there's, there's altars and inscriptions all over it, and, and they are so concerned that they've missed one of their gods, little g-gods, that they even have an altar set up for the unknown God. So that basically, if there's one we missed, you can go there and... and, and, and you can pray to him or her, depending. And, and he's just going, man, this is just, it's everywhere. It's all around him in this moment. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you ever seen the movie Indiana Jones? You know, those movies? And, and, and I don't, I think it's, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe. And, and at the very beginning, and you're going to know what I'm talking about. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen the clip. Where, where he's in, in the temple, somewhere probably down in South America or something like that. And he's, he's in the area and there's, there it is. And it's like this golden statue idol thing. And he kind of looks at it. And remember he grabs a bag of sand and he's trying to decide how much it weighs versus, you know. And, and, he kinda, and then he kind of pulls, you know, switches it. And then he's like, okay, everything's cool. And then, of course, everything just goes crazy. And he's running out and darts are flying. That's when that big boulder comes and it chases him. You know, it's like one of the famous movies, you know, or scenes in a movie. You know, and he's running away and, and he, he escapes with this golden idol. And, and here's the thing, in, in Athens at the time, and kind of sometimes, that's kind of what we see. Is like we kind of look and we go, you know, Aaron, I, I don't have any idols in my life. I don't, I don't have any golden statues that I bow down to every day. We don't have those things like it used to be. We don't live that way. And so sometimes when we talk about purging idols, we tend to kind of look at it that way. The problem is, is that's not the way it is now. You see, there's, there's, a, there's a new way, there's a new kind of understanding of what an idol is. And if we don't understand it, then we're not going to be able to, to change in the ways that God wants us to change. And here's where it is. Here's where it is. We're going to turn to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 14, 3, this is what it says. Check this out. It says, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts. These men have taken their idols into their hearts. And you see, the problem is today is, is we don't, you know, it, it's almost harder to do what, what we need to do when it comes to idols. I mean, King Josiah, he could actually go out and go, look, there is an idol. There is a shrine. There is something there that needs to be destroyed and removed. But now we don't have those things. Now the idols kind of begin and form and come from in our heart it's the new idol it's the new thing that forms there and unfortunately because of that they're much harder to purge they're much harder to deal with because they are there and and here's the thing when you really start to think about about humans and, and, and how we are and this may sound weird to you but but it's in your notes and it'll be on the screen you need to understand this the reality is is that the human heart is an idol factory it's an idol factory factory our hearts are if we're not careful they are constantly producing idols they're constantly putting things out listen i have never met anyone ever in my life 
that doesn't have, that doesn't worship something. They may worship the fact, science. They may worship knowledge. They may worship uh, little g-gods. They may worship power or, or money or sex or, 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 or whatever. But everybody worships something. Why? Because the human heart just pumps them out. The human heart just creates them. And, and we have to understand that. That if we really are honest with ourselves, every single one of us are worshiping something. Every single one of us is producing idols. And so you kind of look at it and go, okay, then, then, then what is an idol? What is kind of an idol that we need to understand? And look, there's, there's, there's lots of explanations. There's lots of ways to look at this. But I found this quote by uh, Dr. Tim Keller. And, it, and it, he wrote a book about this. And, and in, in his book, he, he says this, and it's important that we catch that. In the Bible, then, idolatry is looking to your own wisdom and competence or to some other created thing to provide the power, approval, comfort, and security that only God can provide. Those are what idols are. If there's anything created, you know, you know whatever it is that, that kind of takes those things away from God, that's an idol in your life. That's an idol that we have to deal with and understand and begin to purge. And unfortunately, what most of us do at times with these things is we tend to go, okay, you know, I can, I can just kind of move it off to the side. I, can, I, I don't have to purge it. I don't have to destroy it. I don't have to, to grind it into dust, as it were. I just have to manage it. And here's the thing. Jesus was very clear. You can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other, Jesus said. And so we've fooled ourselves into thinking that, you know what? I can serve God and I can serve these other little G-gods. I, I, can, I can let money control me and control my heart and control my mind and God. I can, I can power, I can, I can and, and the desire for control. I mean, I, I love in this, this quote, we see this idea of, of looking to our own wisdom. That's an idol that if we allow to, to be in our lives, we'll worship it. I don't know how many times in my life I've tried to get things figured out in my own way. It's like I kind of think, well, I'll figure it out. I'll deal with it. I will handle this. You know what? That's an idol. Guess who the idol is? It's me. It's my ability. It's my way to handle things. Instead of saying, you know what, God? I need you. God, your ways are higher than my ways. And so there's so many things. Remember, the heart is an idol factory it just pumps them out and it's something that we all have to deal with it's something that we all have to fight it's something that it's 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 an, it's a constant thing you know it's why god says in those 10 commandments that we we talk about it it, it says you shall have no other gods before me it's because it's so easy it's so easy to do that so let's, let's kind of wrap it up this morning with some, some application, okay? Let's look at this. Let's, 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 let's look at purging the idols that we have in our lives, okay? Let's look at this because I think that we can really see some great steps in 2 Chronicles 34, okay? These are some great steps that we can see in the scriptures that we looked at, okay? So we're going to really apply 
what King Josiah did in this first step. Next week we're going to talk about some other steps that he took in these reformations. But it's interesting that this was the first one. Okay? And, and here's the thing, and I'm not going to talk about necessarily right now what we're going to be talking about in the next couple weeks, but it's important that we start with the first step. Okay? Because later on what takes place can't happen in, in the way it needs to until the idols are removed. Okay? until they're removed and purged out of our lives. So let's, let's see some steps, okay? And let's follow the steps and, 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 and the example that King Josiah gives us. Number one, number one, and this is what we should remember in our own, our own lives, seek God, okay? Seek God and, and look for him. He, where, when you look for him, you can find him. Okay, but a lot of times, again, we, we, we go, okay, I got these issues or I got these situations, I got these idols in my life that I need to deal with, but we, we try to deal with them in our way and in our time, and, and, and we have to understand that. We have to seek God. And remember, going back to the story, okay, going back to the story, it took four years of seeking before King Josiah acted. Now, a lot of times we can look at that and go, well, what, he, what took so long? What, what, what went on? Why? Why took, you know, I mean, he, he, shouldn't he have just gone, oh, we're going to go purge? But remember, remember, his heart was an idol factory too. And he had some really, really bad examples. His grandfather caused a lot of these issues. His father was a mess and was assassinated. These things take time. Okay. But we have to understand that it starts with a seeking. It starts with a desire. It starts with, with a, a plan to go after the things of God and desire the things of God. Listen, if, if you're not seeking God every single day, you are going to have a really hard time removing the idols in your life. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And so we have to start there. That's where he started. And you know what? That may take some time. That may take some time, but as you are seeking, you are where God wants you to be. You are perfectly in his will when you are seeking after him, looking to him. And when the moment is right, he is going to use you to do some great things in your home and in your life and in your family and in your church. But it starts, and it never ends, by the way, but it starts with seeking him, with seeking him. Number two, number two, we need to identify and name the idols. Okay, this is important that I think sometimes we miss, okay? We just kind of look at the idols in our life and we don't name them. Does that make sense? We don't actually call them out. We don't necessarily identify them. And I think that sometimes can cause us a problem. We go something like this, you know, as I'm sharing this, or maybe as, as God's speaking to your heart, you kind of go, you know, I, I do kind of have idols. And that's kind of where it ends. Sometimes what we need to do is we need to identify them. We need to call them out. We need to say something like, you know what? I have an issue with pride. 
I have an issue with pride. I have an issue with, 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 with relying on my own wisdom and my own knowledge. Or you know, I have a problem with lust. Or I have a problem with, 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 with greed and money. And that becomes kind of my security and kind of my, my God in a lot of ways. And, and we need to identify those things so that we can more effectively deal with them. But also so that we can more effectively pray about those things. And listen, and I think this is important too, that we can, we can find those people that we love and trust that, that, that God has placed in our lives so that they can be praying, so that we can kind of be held accountable to not just God and ourselves, but, but, but somebody else that, that loves us and wants to help us and be there for us. So I think sometimes we, we miss this step. And as you look at the scripture, it says Baal, and it says Asher, and it says all these things. It's naming them doesn't name them all, but it names them specifically. These were the things that needed to be destroyed. It's kind of like I've always heard, you know, if you don't have a target, if you're not shooting towards a target, you'll never hit it. Sometimes we have to be open and honest with ourselves and our lives and realize, you know what, I have an issue here. Here is my God little G that I need to purge, that I need to be aware of. Because here's the thing, your little G gods and my little G gods a lot of times aren't the same. And so we have to identify those things. And, and here's the thing, as we seek God and ask him, he can identify those things and illuminate those areas in our lives. Number three, we, we need to purge. Okay, We need to purge. Too many times, too many people, we don't purge. We, we, think that we, can, we think that we can have a little place for God in our heart and a little place for those little G-gods in our heart. And it just doesn't work that way. It, it just isn't what God has. And we've got to purge them. And again, these are just building on each other. You know, we can't purge what we haven't identified. We can't be aware of things if we haven't identified them. And so now that we know where we need to look at, we know what those little G-gods are, now we can actually begin the purging process. Now we can actually begin to remove and grind and, and dust them out and do all those things and, and sprinkle them out. You, you know why King Josiah did what he did? I think part of it, let's be honest, I think part of it was kind of a fact. I mean, you know, he, you know, public relations and kind of things. But you know what? You couldn't, once it was dust and hit the air and hit, you can't put them back together again. Remember, these were, these were physical objects that he had and he destroyed. And now, you know, you're never going to put them back. They're gone. They're dust blowing out this way and something in the dirt. They're gone. Because he never wanted people to be able to put them back together, set them up again, and have the same problem all over again. Now that these idols are in our heart, we have to have that same type of purging mentality. Where we just go and we just say, you know what? I am not going to allow this thing, this idol, to control me anymore. And it's hard. It's hard. But you know what? We have to be willing to do the hard things if we want to see the revival and the renewing that I believe God wants us to do. But we got to purge it. You know, it's, it's, you know, I've talked to people that, um, 
you know, quite honestly, I mean, if you really look at it, they're, 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 they're literally addicted to social media and, and, and Twitter and all these things, and, and I mean, literally addicted to it. And, and, and they really, you know, the approval that they get, oh, look, I had this many likes on, I mean, it is, it's a big deal to them. And, and it, I've had conversations with people and I've said, you know what, you know, you need to cut this. This needs to be removed from your life. And it's, it's like I just said, listen, I need you to hold your breath for about 35 days. And sometimes that's what it's going to take to get past some of these things, this purging. But here's the thing. When you purge, okay, and really remove them, then some really awesome renewing and revival can take place. And it starts, of course, with us. And then it spills over into our families and our marriages and all the thing else. And the final thing, and, and this one, again, I think is easy to miss. The final thing, go back home. Go back home. You say, Aaron, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's, let's take a quick jump back and let's finish it with this. Number one, we need to seek God. Go after him. Seek after him. Get in the word. Spend time in prayer. Uh, read a Christian book. Find other believers that you can talk with and be with and, and share life with, have community with. Seek God. Number two, you've got to identify these things. Figure them out. Name them. Call them out in prayer. Do those things. Then you purge. You, you wipe it away. You remove it. It's gone. And that leaves a void. That leaves a void. I mean, if, you, if, if I said I'm going to purge the music stand and my notes from the building, it would mean that this was going to be removed. Well, now there's nothing here. Now it's empty. But let's go back to the story. Remember back at the story? After he did all these things, after he purged it all, it says, then he went back to Jerusalem. Where was Jerusalem? It was home. It's where he lived. And I think this is the mistake that so many of us can make, okay, that we have to make sure we understand. When the things have been purged, we go back home. Okay, what's home? What's home? Home is with Jesus. Home, we, we were created to be in, in fellowship and worship with our creator. That's home. You know, it's interesting. We talk about heaven. You know, and people talk about heaven. And what do they sometimes say? They say, you know, they talk about they want to go home. A lot of times we'll purge, but we don't put God in the place that he belongs. We leave that place empty and void. And the problem is, is remember, our heart's a factory, I.O. factory. We'll just pump out a new one. We'll just pump out a new one. We'll, we'll, we'll sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll remove all the, 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 the little G-gods and we'll put a, a religious spirit in, on the idol. Oh, you know, now I have to be perfect. And now, or we'll put works, you know, look what I've done for God. And all these things become idols too. And we've got to understand that when we've purged it all, we got to go home. We got to go home. We got to let God take that place. We let God be the number one thing in our hearts and in our lives. 
So it's not just removing, it's not just purging, it's going home. And here's the great thing, okay? Listen, remember, all of us are, are deal with this. All of us have the, that idol factory that's pumping out idols all the time. So here's what's great. Even though every single one of us at some time or another in our lives have dealt with the sin of idolatry, God still welcomes us home. You go, Aaron, but, but, but I, I've served this God, or I've served this thing, or I've, I've, I've let this control me. You know what? With God's help, he'll help you to purge it, but then he'll welcome you home. You see, this, this message is not a message where we just look at ourselves and go, you know, oh boy, I'm just this and that. Boy, I'm just, I can't believe I, I, I deal with idolatry. Oh my goodness, what, oh, idolatry? No, it's understanding that we need Jesus. It's understanding that Jesus welcomes us home. So folks, it's, it's not about just the removing and the purging. Yeah, that's a part of it. Yeah, that's an important part of it. But after that's taken place, okay, simple question. When it's been purged, what do you put in its place? Because here's the thing. No matter how great it is, if it's not Jesus, if it's not our Father, it's an idol. And, and sometimes that can really get us into trouble because we'll go, you know, you know well, I, I put my family in that place or I put my husband or my wife in that place and boy doesn't that sound great it does but you know what listen hear my heart on this those things can be idols just as much as all the bad things that you can think of that can be because anything any created thing can become an idol even great not that we don't care about our families or our spouse, obviously. It's just that we have to understand they're second. In my life, and this is my life, because you may have different relationships than me and things of that nature, but, but I think it, it, this makes sense, okay? In my life, my goal, my, my, my thing is, is, is God has to be one, number one. Seeking him, connecting with him, hearing his voice. That's first. It has to stay first. Number two is, is connecting and, and, and building relationship and intimacy and, and, all, and friendship with my wife. That's number two. And, and, and I can't let those, as much as I love her, and, 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 and I can't let number switch those up. Okay, number three is building a relationship and connecting with my son and, and encouraging him and teaching him and, 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 and being his advocate and being his cheerleader and, but also helping him and disciplining him. All these things, he's number three. And here's the thing. Number four is this place, this church and my friends and all those things. And each one of those individuals each one of those things has a very important place and they're awesome important things but it's so easy even with the good things to get them out of order and so i want to encourage you this morning that if we're going to see the type of 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 reviving and renewing that i do truly believe that god wants to bring 
we've got to purge the idols. We've got to go through the land in our own hearts. You know, because sometimes things can kind of hide in the corners, you know what I mean? And we've got to go through and, and we've got to purge. We've got to seek God. We've got to name him. We've got to purge him. And then once those things are destroyed, once they've been grinded in the dust, we've got to put God in the place that he belongs. Number one. Number one. So I want to pray with you. I want to join with you in prayer because I believe that God really wants to do something in our hearts. Because you know what? The fact that, that, that the heart is kind of where all this begins, I think it's important that we know that God wants to deal with us in that way and welcome us home. No matter how many idols we've had, no matter what we've done, God wants to welcome us home again. So let's go home. Let's, 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 let's destroy those idols and go home. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you right now. And God, we thank you for the life and the lesson of King Josiah. We're going to, over the next several weeks, we're going to see even more. But God, we see right now this first step of, of really seeking you. And the first thing after that is the destruction of the idols, the purging of those things that, that, that can get in the way, that can be distracting to you and to what you desire to do in us and through us. And Father, I thank you that you know our hearts better than we do. You know how our hearts can just, the idols that we can put up and, and the things that we can do. And God, I thank you that you desire to illuminate those things. You want to show us those idols so that we, with your help, can begin that purging process, that removing, that wiping away that you desire to do. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that when those things are gone, that, Father, we would put you in their place. And, Father, that we would know and have the confidence to know that you will welcome us home. Father, I pray against any lie of the enemy right now that would communicate or say, you've done too much wrong, you, 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 you're too far gone, you're, you, you'll, God won't accept you. That's a lie. Jesus, you will welcome us home. And so, Father, I pray, not just for the destruction of the idols in our lives, but, God, that you would reign in our hearts, that you would take the first place, and that everything else would be subservient to that and to you in us. That, Father, we would leave you there. And, God, when our heart once again begins to try to produce other things to take your place that will put them in their proper place behind you. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to, to be together even though we're apart. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen. I'm so glad that you were able to join us this morning. Um, please be safe, okay? Um, we, we, uh, we definitely missed you being here with us, um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're thrilled that God has provided the technology that we could still 
meet together in this way. So listen, be safe, have a great week. Remember, a couple things to remember. Number one, prayer this Wednesday, seven o'clock here at the church. Be here if you have the opportunity. We'd love to have you join with us to pray. And when we meet again next week, remember to bring those eggs and that candy. Um, and uh, we'll kind of spend a few moments after service putting them all together. I really am excited about this little outreach that we're doing. I think it's a, a very cool way to, to kind of share the, the Easter story and, and, and love on our community and love our neighbors and, and kind of give them something fun that they can do as a family to celebrate this amazing special time, all right? So again, love you, miss you. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to contact us here at the church or email whatever you need uh, during this time, all right? Love you, and we'll see you soon.